Hi, I'm Justin Hopkins. And I'm Richard Reinhardt. And we want to thank you for taking the time to join us for this time of study as we look to see what the Spirit has to say about Himself in the Scriptures. Welcome back to The Spirit According to the Word. Uh, thank you for joining us as we are in uh, part two now of looking at the Spirit giving miraculous ability and what he has to say about that in the New Testament. And last week in particular, we looked at the promise that John the baptizer gave that Jesus would baptize in the Holy Spirit and then that Jesus gave that promise to his apostles who then were baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 when they received miraculous ability and their comments to the Sanhedrin that that miraculous ability was the Holy Spirit bearing witness to the resurrection of Jesus. And so that's kind of where we left off. So we'll pick up this week in Acts chapter 8. And of course, a lot has uh, happened since then. Uh, you know, you've had uh, Barnabas, good old Barnabas, come in, and you've had Ananias and Sapphira, uh, who have lied to the Holy Spirit and been killed. Then you have the problem with the, the widows, and uh, you have those seven men who are appointed, some say the first deacons, among whom is Stephen, who goes out uh, preaching and makes some people mad and ends up becoming the first martyr. And from that persecution... Uh, people are scattered. And that kind of enters us into the next phase, right? Jesus had told the apostles there in Acts chapter 1, when he was talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea. Uh, well, they'd been doing that in chapters 1 through 7. Now, because they're scattered by the persecution, we move into the next phase, going into Samaria. And that's where we find Philip, in Acts chapter 8, preaching the word in Samaria. And wasn't Philip also one of those selected in Acts chapter 6? He was. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he seems to be getting along with folks a little bit better than Stephen did. And I bet he appreciates that. So uh, we've got kind of a long passage here dealing with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 8, begins in verse 5 and takes us all the way through verse 20. So I'm going to let Richard read that one. <laughs> then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them 
with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Okay, so we're kind of leaving Simon hanging there a little bit, uh, but he's not really the focus of this study. The Holy Spirit is. And, of course, as as Richard mentioned, you know, Philip was among the seven. He would, had the apostles' hands laid on him, received the Holy Spirit, miraculous abilities, and that's what he was doing. But was in, what's interesting here is that Philip was not able to pass on that ability to anybody else. That is interesting and very significant, right? Because um, as, as, as Philip was going around, and by the way, one interesting note here in this chapter, everywhere that you see the word preaching, that's actually the Greek word for evangelism. Philip was going around evangelizing. That's what we need to be doing as Christians. Um, going around sharing the good news about Jesus Christ and the kingdom of heaven, which also, side note, uh, verse 5, notice the subject of Philip's preaching. He was preaching Christ. He was talking about Jesus. And now when people heard Philip talk about Jesus, they were baptized. Verse 12, Philip was preaching concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. So he was talking about Jesus, and he was talking about the church. And in response to that, people were baptized. Now, one significant note here is that, again, as, as Richard pointed out, Philip wasn't able to pass on those, those abilities, right? Because uh, when the apostles that were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John. Now, think about this for a minute. Philip's there. And they send Peter and John all the way from Jerusalem. Why? Verse 15. So that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Apparently this is something that Philip could not do. So they had been baptized. They had become Christians. But they had not received the Holy Spirit. See verse 18. It was through the laying on of the apostles' hands. Yeah, and so that's something significant to know as well, that you can be baptized and become a Christian and not receive the Holy Spirit. Those two events are not one and the same. Can, can I go back for a moment on, on one thing that you mentioned? In verse 12, where it mentions, you know, Philip as he preached, that, that word is the one that comes from evangelize, but what's 
interesting is verse 5, the example of the word preached there actually comes from, isn't it Caruso there? Yeah, he was heralding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was talking so, loud. So, so both words are used there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now verse 4, by the way, is the word evangelism. <laughs> well, now you had me start reading at verse 5, so... <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. So here we've got all of these Samaritans and Philip. They've been baptized. They've become Christians, but they have not received the Holy Spirit. And now, uh, by the way, verse 15 and verse 17 and verse 19, the definite article, the word the, does not occur before the words Holy Spirit. It simply says, in verse 15, they prayed for them that they might receive Holy Spirit, verse 17, they received Holy Spirit, verse 19, on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive Holy Spirit. Is this the Holy Spirit or a Holy Spirit? I think clearly this is the Holy Spirit. That's what the translators did. They stuck in the word the and they capitalized Holy Spirit. I would agree with that here, wouldn't you? I think so. Yeah, so so that that's what's going on here. And, and notice that the receiving of the Holy Spirit is tied with the ability to work miracles. And again, as Richard pointed out, uh, Simon, he was paying attention. <laughs> Which, by the way, Simon made his living as a false teacher. He renounced that. He became a Christian. He's saved. That's great. He's also out of a job. And here he sees maybe an opportunity uh, and, you know, before we're too hard on Simon, he was willing to give all of that up. When he saw the truth, when he saw the real thing, he became a Christian. But he was tempted. And so, as he's observing what's going on, he observed that it was through the laying on of the apostles' hands that the Holy Spirit was given. So the apostles received the Holy Spirit when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. That's what Jesus had said. And now these Samaritans were receiving the Holy Spirit when the apostles laid hands on them. And so, so far, these are the only two ways that we see the Holy Spirit being given, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit that the apostles received, and through the laying on of the apostles' hands. And I'm going to go ahead and lay this out there right now. Those are the only two ways of receiving the Holy Spirit that we will see. And I believe that our studies will bear that out. Uh, so that's that's important to, to note, that these miraculous abilities, the receiving of the Holy Spirit, that's something that cannot be available for us today unless there's a way for us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, like the apostles, which we'll get to that in a minute when we talk about Cornelius and his household. So I'll leave that alone. But we know the apostles can't lay hands on us because the apostles are all dead. Any, th any other thoughts there? Anything to add? Well, I guess we could ask the question about, well, what about Paul? What about Paul? Hmm. Because we know he <laughs> had the signs of an apostle. He did. <clears throat> yeah, of course, he was a little bit of a different duck. Of course, as an apostle, he had to be a witness of the resurrection. He spent some time in Arabia all by himself. And, uh, yeah, so we're not ever told exactly how or when 
all receive those miraculous abilities, are we? I don't believe we are specifically. We just know that he received them. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, I think we're going to have to leave that there. But I would submit to you that it was during the time that Paul spent in Arabia that he was taught by a risen Christ and received miraculous abilities from him. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> we're not told about that specifically, though. But regardless, however he received it, it is not a method by which we can receive it. Uh, exactly, exactly. So, uh, moving forward then to Cornelius and, and his household, because we did bring that up. That's also our next context. Uh, Acts chapter 10, right, you've got Cornelius, a centurion. And he is a God-fearer, uh, one he has not been circumcised and proselytized in the Jewish religion, but he does worship the God of the Bible, and he's actually given a lot of money to support the synagogues and, and things like that. And so he's praying, and an angel comes to him and says, hey, go send for Peter, and he'll tell you what you need to do. And it's interesting to note, by the way, Cornelius he believes in God and he's praying, but there's still something else that he needs to do. And meanwhile, the Holy Spirit is working on Peter, explaining to him that he's going to have to go to these Gentiles and teach them, and so he does. And I love Peter's attitude. Uh, you know, he shows up, he says, you know, listen, you know, the Holy Spirit has showed me that, you know, I, I shouldn't show respect to any people. God doesn't do that. And so, even though y'all are Gentiles, here I am in your house to teach you, and I'm not even going to complain about it. <laughs> you know, it, it took him a while to get past some of those old prejudices. Of course, when you get to the book of Galatians, he got pulled back into that. People today don't have that problem, do they? Not at all. <laughs> and, you know, while certainly, like Paul... We shouldn't put up with that. We need to deal with it. Uh, but also, perhaps like Paul, we also need to have some understanding that, you know, old habits die hard. Old, old thought processes and prejudices die hard. And if the Apostle Peter can struggle with that, uh, we shouldn't be too, too surprised when some of our Christian brothers and sisters also struggle with that. Uh, and we don't need to excuse that, but we need to give them the same grace that we expect from our Lord, that we pray for from Him, and help them to grow. Anyway, that was free. <laughs> Enough of that. Acts chapter 10. So Peter is preaching, and things start going on. Verse 44. And so, while Peter yet spake these words, and so this is the second time now that Peter's been interrupted in a sermon. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all of them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry 
certain days. Now, in, in these verses, by the way, the word the does occur before the words Holy Spirit in every instance. Uh, so we have that there. The uh, translators have capitalized that as the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. I would agree with them there. Uh, I don't know what else this could be. Uh, so here we have the Holy Spirit falling on these Gentiles while Peter is preaching. And how do we know that this happened? Well, verse 46 they were speaking in tongues and magnifying God. That verse seems to be further proof that we are talking about the Holy Spirit as well. Absolutely. And something else important to notice, uh, just like in Acts chapter 2, when the apostles began speaking in tongues, the people heard them declaring the wonderful works of God. They could understand what the apostles were saying. Specifically, they said, we hear them speak in our own languages where we were born. They were speaking these people's native languages. And that's apparently what's happening here because the people who came with Peter could hear them speaking in languages, specifically magnifying God. So this is intelligible communication. This isn't some special Holy Spirit language that nobody can understand. This is something that's understandable. And that's important to acknowledge and, and realize when we talk about these miraculous abilities. The other thing that's interesting here is in verse 47, that they have not been baptized, but they have received the Holy Spirit. So in Acts chapter 8, they had been baptized, but they had not received the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, they have received the Holy Spirit, but they have not been baptized. Again, those two events are separate, one from another. Now, it's interesting, verse 33, Cornelius told Peter, uh, we are all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded you by God. So Cornelius says, Peter, we want to know everything that God has commanded you. Well, verse 48 Peter commanded them to be baptized. Now, you skip ahead to chapter 11 and verse 14. The angel had told Cornelius that Peter would tell you words whereby you and all your house shall be saved. So they came to hear what was commanded. They were told that they would hear what they needed to do to be saved. And Peter said, you need to be commanded to be baptized. And of course, this baptism is, is defined in verse 47 with that question, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized? This is water baptism taking place. This isn't some other kind of baptism. That's it's right. water baptism. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, here we have the Holy Spirit giving these miraculous abilities to Cornelius and his household. And ultimately... Uh, this is to get Peter's attention and, and the attention of those who are with him uh, to, to realize, yes, Gentiles can be Christians too. And that's kind of what Peter explains in Acts chapter 11 because he gets back to Jerusalem and the church is like, hey, we heard that you went 
to some Gentiles, and you baptized them. What in the world? We can't have fellowship with no Gentiles. They're not like us. And Peter's like, well, hold on, let me explain. God made me do it. <laughs> and so that's what he's saying. So we'll pick up in chapter 11. And Richard, if you wouldn't mind reading there, uh, verses 15 through And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I? that I could withstand God. When they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has grant also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. All right. Um, so, by the way, in verse 16, the word thee does not occur before the words Holy Spirit. It simply says, uh, Y'all shall be baptized with Holy Spirit. And so this is a quote of what we looked at last week uh, that all four gospel writers record, and then Jesus mentions it in Acts chapter 1, and then it comes to pass in Acts chapter 2. And so this is huge, by the way, because here you have Peter's inspired commentary of what happened when the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius and his household. This was baptism in the Holy Spirit, just like, and, and, and it's interesting that for a reference point, you know, Peter has to go all the way back to the day of Pentecost. Uh, this was apparently not an everyday event. He doesn't talk about the Samaritans who were baptized in Acts chapter 8. He doesn't talk about the people that they baptized in Acts chapter 3 at the beautiful gate. He doesn't talk about uh, the people that were baptized as they were going about teaching there in Acts chapter 5. None of that. He goes all the way back to the day of Pentecost. And so it appears that this is kind of a singular event, that this is the, the, the second time that this baptism in the Holy Spirit has, has happened. And again, that this baptism in this Holy Spirit, this gift of the Holy Spirit that they received, was what the apostles received, and it gave them miraculous abilities. And that was the point. It proved to Peter, yes, these people can go to heaven too. And so when Peter gave that explanation, then the people who are mad at Peter bit their lips. They're like, okay, well, I guess we can't really argue with God, so we'll be quiet. <laughs> Anything to add there, brother? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. They became silent in verse 18, but then it says, and they glorified God. And they yeah. made that admission that, hey, the Gentiles can have repentance to life too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so that was kind of the, what we had going on there. And, and this is mentioned again in Acts chapter 15, because this whole Jew-Gentile thing keeps coming up. Uh, you know, again, prejudices sometimes die hard. Acts chapter 15, you've got the Jerusalem Council. And you know, I might mention something really quick. I'm, I'm thankful that, that salvation was opened up to the Gentiles, because most likely you and I descended from Gentiles. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm thankful for that, too. Absolutely. Uh, so, in Acts chapter 15, this, this discussion is called to find out what about Gentiles. Can they really become Christians? 
do they have to be Jews first? Do they have to be circumcised? What do we do? And so, verse 6, the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, y'all know how that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our forefathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So here again in uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 8, Peter is talking about what happened at Cornelius' household. He says, God gave them the Holy Spirit. By the way, the word the occurs in the original text. So Cornelius' household were given the Holy Spirit, just like the apostles were given the Holy Spirit. And that was, of course, evidenced with those miraculous abilities, proving that they could be saved too. Anything else to add there? Uh, nothing to add to that passage. Okay, so there's one more instance of this that we read about in Acts, in Acts chapter 19, and that will uh, be the last one we look at today. Acts chapter 19, and we pick up in verse 1, but to get a little bit of context, you have to go back to chapter, you know, verse 24 of the last chapter. You've got this fellow named Apollos, who uh, is a really good speaker and knows the Bible, and he comes to Ephesus, and he's on fire. He's fervent in spirit, and he's instructing the way of the Lord, but he only knows the baptism of John. So here he is at Ephesus, and he's teaching the baptism of John, and he's there in the synagogue, and Aquila and Priscilla hear this, and they're like, okay, we got to teach you some things. So they take Apollos aside. They don't call him out publicly. They're like, let's talk about this, Apollos, which, by the way, uh, you know, when you hear somebody saying something that's wrong, maybe blasting them publicly shouldn't be your first move. We want to win souls, not arguments. We have a great example here given by Aquila and Priscilla. And uh, so they taught him the way of God more perfectly. And so then he leaves Ephesus, goes to Achaia. By the way, Ephesus is in southwestern Turkey, Achaia, that's northern Greece, kind of across uh, the Aegean Sea there. And so uh, Apollos leaves Turkey, goes to Greece, and he keeps going. And so chapter 19, verse 1, Apollos is specifically now at Corinth over there in Greece. Paul comes to Ephesus, where Apollos just left. And so that's what Paul finds. Richard, if you wouldn't mind picking up there, uh, reading verses 1 through 7. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying, 
to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. Okay, and, and that was, there were twelve of them, not that they were twelve years old. Uh, by the way. Twelve in all, <laughs> not not twelve in age. Yeah, yeah. The, the, so the, the King James says all the men were about twelve. <laughs> yeah, so a uh, quick note here, verse 2 the definite article, the word thee, does not occur before Holy Spirit. It says simply, have y'all received Holy Spirit? Uh, but then it does occur in verse 6 before the words Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And so it's kind of interesting what's going on here, right? So Paul should, uh, Apollos has been teaching the baptism of John at Ephesus. He gets straightened out. He leaves Ephesus. Paul shows up at Ephesus. And he finds some disciples. And he's like, cool. And he asks them, hey, have y'all received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. We haven't heard about a Holy Spirit. Now, let me submit to you that this is very similar to what we saw in Acts chapter 8. When the church at Jerusalem first heard that the Samaritans had received the gospel, they sent Peter and John so they could receive the Holy Spirit. Why was that so important at this time, Richard? Needed to be an apostle. Yeah, you needed to be apostle. I mean, why do these people need the Holy Spirit? They don't have the completed revelation yet. That's exactly right. I mean, when there were questions that came up about, well, you know, what day should we worship on? And what do we do during worship? And what about this? Is this okay for a Christian to do? Or what about that? They couldn't just pull out their, their Bible and look it up in the concordance. <laughs> Didn't have it. So, they needed to know what to teach. <laughs> yeah. So having these miraculous abilities, which uh, we'll get there, includes knowledge and, and prophecy, was huge until the revelation was completed. You know, and isn't that a loud and clear message to us that when we're teaching, we need to be sure that we're teaching from the book and, and not merely just teaching opinions? Yeah, absolutely. And... That's what we're trying to do here. That's what we're, we're, what we're hoping to do anyway. And, and that's what we need to do all the time, no matter what the topic is. Uh, we've got to stay with the book. And so, yeah, so, so Paul's like, hey, these disciples, I need to be sure that they have the tools that they need to know what they need to know and, and be correct. So he asks them, and they say, no, we don't know what you're talking about. And then Paul's like, huh. Something's off here. If you're disciples and you don't know what I'm talking about, oh, who baptized you? And they're like, well, we were baptized with John's baptism. Well, that was what Apollos did. And so you notice Paul's response to this. He does two things in verse 4. Number one, he teaches them what they didn't know. Number two, in verse 5, he baptizes them in the name of the Lord Jesus. And that tells us something. You cannot be taught wrong and baptized right. Here you find 12 guys 
who and you go back and and you know some people well you know just as long as you're baptized for the remission of your sins well John's baptism was baptism for the remission of sins but they didn't know everything they needed to know they didn't believe what they needed to believe they were taught wrong so they needed to be baptized having the correct understanding baptism is about more than just getting wet you know there's a whole group out there that teach this phrase outward sign of an inward grace and that phrase is nowhere found in connection with baptism in scripture but here we've got for the remission of sins so you know that that can be something hard to struggle with if, if you're taught wrong and you're taught outward sign of an inward grace or you're taught something else about baptism it doesn't work yeah but fortunately we can be encouraged by this example because here's the thing just like these guys if you were taught wrong and baptized wrong and you come to realize that it's not game over you just now that you're taught right you get baptized right you obey the gospel or you're like I was and you struggle with it for about four months and feel guilty until the point that you finally make that decision <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that's what it takes you know but but you know, there's there, there's always hope, you know, and it's just a matter of making it sure. So, at any rate, the other thing that's, I think, significant here to note, verses 5 and 6, that Paul baptized them and then laid his hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And again, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they spoke in other languages and they prophesied. So, miracles followed the Holy Spirit and their baptism... And the apostle laying hands on them so they could receive the Holy Spirit were two separate events. And so there we see, uh, what is that, three examples in the book of Acts of the Holy Spirit giving miraculous abilities. We see it with the apostles in Acts chapter 2. We see it with Cornelius and his household in Acts chapter 10. And then we see it with these 12 disciples at Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. Anything else to add there? I, I don't think so. I appreciate how you pointed out, though, here in this example in chapter 19, that there's two separate events. There's the baptism, and then there's the laying on of hands to give the Holy Spirit. Yep. Okay. Well, again, uh, you know, we've covered a lot of ground. We've covered some pretty controversial things. Uh, we've tried to stay true to the book. If you disagree with us, uh, if you think we're wrong, uh, if you have a question, uh, please don't leave it at that. Get in touch. Let's, let's talk about it. Uh, we, we would love to discuss those things. And, uh, you know, if we're missing something, uh, we would love to learn more. And, and we will talk about that and share that as well. Uh, so, you know, stay in the book, stay with uh, what the Holy Spirit has given us in the written word. And until next time, uh, may God bless you. Amen.